0: Welcome to the Wild Woman Healing Podcast, where we dive into the discussions and practices that guide you back to your wild and true self. I'm your host, Riley Hedberg, creator and vessel for my business and entity, Wild Woman Healing. Together, we partner to create community, connection, and opportunities that help you to release what doesn't serve you, upgrade your frequency, and expand the inherent wisdom within your heart. I'm so grateful for your support, energy, and presence, as well as joining me on a journey in this podcast in rewilding yourself. Together, we will uncover the wisdom, creativity, and capabilities that already exist within you. Together, we will reclaim our right to stay wild. Wild, wild. 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 Aloha, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Wild Woman Healing Podcast. Um, And I'm happy to be here. And excitingly enough, we've got another wild woman on the show. So it's been a time since I've had somebody on the show, and I'm really excited to bring back um a woman that i actually just crossed paths with and met in my life and um i feel like the universe kind of brought us together and we have similar very similar paths in life and then getting to kind of talk with her in our um uh interview today i learned that we have even more similarities so that was kind of um fun um so yeah but before we get into the episode um just to catch everybody up, so if you haven't heard, it's been kind of big news. But um, so Maui had a big fire that happened, and um, unfortunately, a huge chunk of the community and um, a community called Lahaina was basically destroyed. People's lives lost. Um, yeah, just a huge devastating blow to the community in general, and. Um, As some of you know, Maui was my first home when I came to the islands and holds um, a very, very special place in my heart. So um, I'm feeling quite sad about it um, and sad for everybody involved. And yeah, it's just it's a hard thing. So that's something I've been um, feeling lately. Um, And yeah, it's. It's been a lot, um, so I I wanted to um, you know put. They're looking for, of course, donations, um, and that can be monetary or it can also be clothing. Um, I think non-perishable items, diapers, um, things like that, and I'll put um, a link. So if you want, you guys can go look. And if you feel called to support the community in any way, I would really appreciate it. Um, and if you can't support, you know, in that way, just maybe thinking about the community um, would be great. Um, so, yeah, um, besides that, I'm getting excited to start my um uh doctorate program in the next few weeks i'll be going to california to start that super pumped for that and actually our speaker darlene today she um is an adjunct professor there and she also went to school there so that's actually how i kind of found her and connected with her um so yeah, I'm really excited about that, and um, I got to give a human design reading to somebody this week on top of the cleanse I already see, and that was really fun because I haven't given somebody a reading in a while, and I was like, oh my gosh, I had so much fun. I was amped with energy after, so uh, so yeah, if anybody's looking for a reading, feel free to email me. I don't believe I have like my calendar set up anymore um, for people just to like go on and schedule one but if you ever want to have one you can always email me or message me on instagram or facebook or wherever um and we can talk more about that um and then of course to my coaching program is open and like i said i'm taking a sliding scale um so if you've been interested and want to sign up for that and work with me um you can go onto my website under offerings under coaching and You can get more information on the program, and then you can fill out the application to sign up and express your interest. Um, So without further ado, I'm going to read the bio of Darlene. So Darlene uh, is a part-time faculty of the College of Mind-Body Medicine at Saybrook University. She is an online therapist, licensed in marriage and family counseling, and a psychoeducator who is dedicated to helping adults grow psychologically and spiritually. She works with creative, high-achieving, intellectually gifted, and talented individuals, including activists, counselors, and therapists, entrepreneurs, environmental and social change makers, law students, musicians, organizational leaders, and visionary writers. She is herself a journalist and activist in addition to being a therapist. Her philosophy is that biocycle, social, and spiritual development go hand in hand. Her tailored focus on mind, body, health, and the whole person means that every individual can find hope for healing. Um, she authored and published Dreams and Dreamlike Experiences, The Role in Spiritual Emergence process, Processes in Carrying On, a Workbook for Women Who've Lost a Pregnancy. She has been licensed since 1999, serving California patients, and has been a health and wellness coach for Hawaiian clients since her arrival here on the Big Island. She has presented the Recovery Village Drug and Alcohol Rehabilitation Center and has worked with sex addiction and sexual abuse as well. She has written and presented on these topics and she has also worked for organizations helping clients heal from dual diagnosis issues such as at Sierra Vista Hospital in Kaiser Permanente. So, as you can see, um, she is an amazing person and we do have a lot of similarities and just from that bio, we're going to get into... Um, a medley of things that were mentioned in the bio as well. Um, and I'm really excited for you all to to get to hear some of her wisdom. So without further ado, let's get into the episode. Okay. Aloha, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Wild Woman Healing Podcast. I am your host, Riley, and I'm here with the lovely Darlene. And welcome. I was going to actually ask you this before, but how do how do I say your last name? Vigiano, Vigiano. Okay, got it. Um, so so excited to have you on the show today. Um, and for oh. th- yeah, for those of you who don't know, Darlene, um, uh, we actually just met. Funnily enough, um, I feel like the universe kind of guided us together, and so I'm really excited to have her on the show. Um, Thank you. so to start out with, Darlene, this is something I like to ask all of my guests the same question just to begin. Um, and that is what connects you to your wild woman self.
1: Probably my wild child self. <laughs> Ooh, I love that. <laughs> when I was a kid of only six years old, I was already talking about, you know, kids rights and things like that. Um, I I just had a nature to myself since my inception, probably of uh, being very autonomous and independent and outspoken and born and raised in Brooklyn, New York. And, you know, I was in the sixties. And so I was saying things like, you better believe it, baby. And all that kind of <laughs> stuff <laughs> like that was just like my personas and, you know, the gum smacking kind of, you know, <laughs> stuff. Um, and as I grew up and, and grew away, that area, um, I kept a, a lot of that um, sort of wild child rebelliousness with me. Uh, even if I went like to the most conservative school in the nation, I would bring my rebellious self to that school and that kind of thing. So um, <laughs> it's just stuck with me. Uh, I just have a real um, independent streak. And when I was in Jungian therapy, I found out that. Uh, uh one of my archetypes that kind of really belongs to me personally is the, the artemis or diana archetype which is the huntress and yes. she's quite a wild woman and natural woman and um, very much uh, able to take charge and take care of herself and all of those kinds of things um, yes
0: i resonate yeah. with that archetype so much i feel with like <laughs> because she's strong, independent, but also like an advocate for,
1: like, I would imagine
0: for like the environment and animals and, you know,
1: help and. Absolutely, yeah, and I'm a big nature lover and puppy lover, and yeah, it's pretty endemic in me, so.
0: Can I ask how you kind of um, kept with that like wild woman spirit, right, and kind Mm -hmm. of kept your independence, like I'm gonna, you know, go my own way and really stay true to myself because that's a huge theme that we talk about on the show and that I know a lot of listeners have a difficult time with. Um, So yeah, how did you go about keeping that? Because I know it can kind of be hard as we grow up. People try to tell us who we are, how to be.
1: Absolutely, they do. Um, And again, I was (laughs) rebelling since I was a little kid about all that stuff. You know, Um, I remember... One of the first things that happened in school was, um, unfortunately, I had a cousin who died in the Vietnam War, and I was sitting in a classroom one day in Brooklyn, and some teacher was talking about how, you know war is beautiful and all this stuff and I like stood up and pounded my little fist on the desk and said how dare you say that and you know and she like sent me to the next room to stand with my face in the corner <laughs> and, and I wasn't allowed to explain why the next classroom and all that kind of stuff and these kinds of incidents would just happen you know periodically throughout my life um even in uh my most uh Latest years in in corporate world, I became a, a union steward, and I got you know pretty much drummed out of the corporation you know for <laughs> for that kind of um, behavior and stance and in in, in in the world of uh, healthcare, <clears throat> and so yeah, um, just many different significant times throughout my life, it would become a question of is this going to be about my own integrity and, um, you know, knowing who I am, being who I am, doing who I am, or caving to, you know, other people's dictates um, because they own the purse strings or they own the power or they own the whatever they own, you know, I own me. Yeah. Um, and so uh, it's very important to to live true to oneself, um, you know, because we know th- throughout history and throughout the ages and throughout literature without that you can't be true to anyone else in any case so it's it all your whole life becomes a lie that way
0: that's very true
1: mm-hmm. it's kind of like
0: the whole thing if you can't love yourself and then it's hard to love other people right or something yeah you know yeah. that whole thing
1: yeah and it's not that it works out easily or well at any time you know there are conflicts there are sacrifices um and and sometimes you do compromise yourself a little bit um but there are just certain boundaries that you just can't cross inside yourself you know Mm. uh, and still remain healthy and when you do not uh fulfill yourself and be true to who you are you end up with a neurosis and you know that's something that people often learn in a midlife crisis like I had <laughs> when I was back in my <clears> thirties. Um, yeah.
0: Well, I guess that's something maybe we'll, we'll dive into because I guess that's a great segue into my next question, right? Was your kind of like your life journey your life path. I mean, you don't obviously need to go into all of the details, right? But how did you become who you are now, right? Because you're a psychologist and then you're, I believe, psych psychoeducator, is that the name, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, how did you get to where you are today?
1: Yeah, so I mean, as I was a kid, I would go through all the things that kids would go through about what they want to be when they grow up. A, a teacher, an actress, a singer, a conservationist, a diplomat, whatever, You know, all these different things, right? Um, and so when I came out of school, uh, I ended up going to Japan and um, doing uh, kind of journalistic work and also teaching English as a second language and when I came back I found that people treated me as though I had fallen off the face of the earth rather than gotten good work and life experience by going to Japan, which I thought was absolutely crazy. So uh, from there, I had to go on to a master's degree in journalism to make it solidified that, you know, I I was worthy in the work world and could do, um, you know, work in in the American corporation. So I did that for a while. And uh, it was working out pretty well um, until I got to the point where it was working out too well. I was uh, working for the Tom Peters group on Achieving Excellence, uh, writing about all the excellent things that all the companies were doing all over the country and getting flown around to here and there and interviewing all these highfalutin people who were doing highfalutin things, very cool things for the country. And I myself was just writing about those things. I wasn't actually doing (laughs) any of those things. Um, and in the meantime, I had uh, had a miscarriage that was causing my marriage to fall apart. Um, I felt like I really couldn't grow any further in the company because everybody was happy. You know, nobody was going to move out or off or away, and, and there was going to be nowhere for me to move up. Um, so I had reached kind of the pinnacle of my <laughs> journalistic career at that point, and I wanted to do. Excellent things on my own. And being in a midlife crisis, I put myself in therapy, and lo and behold, began to find that um, I felt called to give back what I gained from therapy, which was, you know, being able to come through that midlife crisis, being able to have a sense of self, being able to reconnect with that. You know, in a wild woman, and be able to manifest and live from that space in the real world. Um, and so, uh, I pursued my degree. I was going to become a psychologist right away, but I needed to become a marriage and far- family therapist first to be able to afford to <laughs> to become a psychologist. So once I got my uh, license as an MFT then I found that I didn't really need a license as a psychologist because I could still do my therapy anyway, and I could be a psychoeducator, uh, writing books, uh, being a professor, you know, part-time adjunct faculty, whatever, um, doing classes, groups, workshops, presentations. Um, I had written two books that got published. I wrote a bunch of articles I got to teach um, in China. Just like so many things opened up for me from just having the you know, PhD psychology degree. That it, And I was pretty far along in my career um, or my life <laughs> because it was a second career, right? So I felt like, why would I go back and redo all of that licensure stuff, right? And then I ended up moving here which meant that I certainly didn't want to switch my uh, MFT license over here. So I still operate just fine with a California MFT license uh, working online and uh, doing my psychoeducation here in Hawaii and getting to uh, find ways that I could be of service in the community uh, without having to, to go for further licensure or switch licensure or anything like that
0: sure yeah. it got, it sounds like a like once you kind of you know we're going down that path like so many things just opened up for you
1: one thing leads to another yeah
0: yeah definitely
1: mm-hmm. um and I'm curious you know with
0: your midlife crisis uh do you feel like it was like a kind of like a loss of self and then like a finding of self or like
1: it yeah, was okay yeah it, it a old self and a finding of a new self it was a dark night of the soul it was uh, coming to terms and to grips with past traumas that were recalled by the um, the miscarriage uh, relating to my femininity my uh, role as a woman in the world all of that kind of thing uh, you know kind of stuff you know mm-hmm. um, So there was a lot of questioning going on, and that was one of the things that led to the writing of my first book, which was carrying on a workbook for women who've lost a pregnancy. Mm -hmm. At that time, there were no workbooks for miscarriage. There were textbooks, yes. There were um, grief books, grief workbooks, yes, but no workbook for miscarriage. And then after I wrote mine, a whole bunch of other people, you know, were writing theirs and now it's now it's a thing like you don't even need mine anymore. It's like, (laughs) you know, Um, but yeah, now there's plenty of organizations for helping people go through that um, and uh, survive that. And there's recognition that it's even an issue, like, you know, back in the day when it happened to me, it was like, eh. One in four uh, pregnancies end up in a miscarriage. Just go try again. <laughs> you know, like fuck you. You know, <laughs> so there's there's my wild woman coming out. <laughs> I did the uh, the f bomb right in the middle of a, <laughs> or, um, you know, interview, but um, yeah, no, that's that was not okay with me to to have that kind of attitude of you know just because the grief couldn't be seen and it also couldn't be heard and all of that sort of thing. Um, and so uh, I needed to work through my process and I wanted other people to be able to work through theirs. So I wrote the workbook and, you know, that was, that's my, that's a wild woman way of dealing with things, right? Is if something doesn't exist, you invented, you created. You
0: know? oh, yeah. I was just going to say that it sounds like, yeah, there was like none of those resources. And so mm-hmm. you just kind of made it happen yourself.
1: Yeah. You're
0: able to help so many others with Mm -hmm. going down that own path and kind of navigating your own sort of dark night of the soul Um, exactly what do you what do you feel like it took to like find yourself again if that makes sense it was it was
1: honestly it was hell um you know it took um kind of like a little a breakup with with my family and then it took a little bit of something that we call in psychology a rapprochement which is like a being able to come back together from a whole different footing um you know from a a sense of self grounded as an adult rather than as a child Um, because even though i was already 35 years old i was still in the quote-unquote family trance and still fitting into my family from the realm of, you know, what was acceptable, how things were acceptable, how I was acceptable or not, and all of that kind of thing. And I needed to jettison all that and um, decide, you know, how I wanted to be in family, whether I wanted to be in family, under what terms and conditions. <laughs> and I ended up with a much stronger, better relationship, I think. Um And position and and uh, I don't want to really say status in the family, but status within myself, Mm -hmm. uh, from which to relate to my family, Mm -hmm. that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
0: I feel very similar to that because I feel like when I went through one of my dark nights of the soul, I had to like separate from my family and kind mm -hmm. of reckon like, who am I without them? Am I still? And I even see that still, like I'm still stuck in some, Mm -hmm. but. In my previous dark nights, yeah, I feel like I had to kind of break away and reckon with all of that. And now I have a much better relationship with my family that I had when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, but it is very painful to have to go through that and have parts of ourselves, I think, kind of like shattered or parts of like our ego shattered, right? and then have to like oh, very much so, yeah, like yeah. nobody really tells you that, right? And I feel like in no.
1: yeah. And it's interesting to hear that you're, you know, already at your, to, to me, from my vantage point, tender young age, um, uh, talking about having had, you know, more than one dark night of the soul. I've only had my second one since then, just recently, <laughs> you know, um, and I, again, I guess it depends on how you define a dark night of the soul, but like, you know, something like really cataclysmic that you can see various chapters of your life. Uh, really uh, completely defined like that was then this is now that was who I was is who I am you know absolute new self-definitions and how you're relating uh, or I'm relating to my family and the world around me and all of that kind of thing
0: yeah definitely
1: do you Mm -hmm. see
0: a lot of clients that come to you that are still kind of stuck in that like you were talking about it's like we're technically adults right but there's still Mm -hmm. that part of us that is so like in the family and kind of like stuck in that and it's hard to separate from that so yeah I'm curious is that like a common thing that you experience or still see with people
1: Well, being a marriage and family therapist, yeah, I deal like almost exclusively with relational issues, right? So how people deal with their family, how people deal with their intimate partnerships, how people deal with their children, how people deal with themselves, how people deal with the world around them, their companies, um, their siblings, just so many different relationships that were all involved in uh, in so many different parts of our lives that all need to be negotiated <laughs> mm-hmm. it's quite a package really
0: yeah because I feel like we're in relation to everything right and yeah. I think it's so easy to sometimes lose ourselves in all of that it's like we're um, connected I guess the way I see it right we all have our own beliefs that we're all like connected but then mm-hmm. yet we're individuals a part of the whole and it can be right. difficult to not get almost absorbed or swept swept up in that you know yes
1: yes so our primary connection to ourself and whatever our spiritual beliefs are Uh and then you know our relationship with our family of origin versus the one we create if we do create one uh, and you know just weeding out from there in concentric circles farther and farther out, right, from who we work with, to who's in our community, to which communities we choose to live in, which work fields we choose to work in, etc.
0: And it's kind of actually interesting, you know, in this day and age, because I do feel like a lot of people, and I'm curious what you think are maybe more nomadic, or we're just more of like a global, um, you know, like big earth community, right? Like we can go anywhere you know whereas like in the past it was more like okay stay kind of closer to where you were born or from and now it's just like so spread out and I feel like the family system has changed so much so yeah I'm curious like what you see kind of with like the family like systems and like our modern age and how that kind of plays a role in how we see ourselves and our connection to like our chosen family but then like the family that we were born into.
1: So this is, you know, a really dynamic question right now, right? We came from an agrarian society. We moved into an industrial society. Then we moved into a technological and informational. You know, where is our relationship to nature and community and Mother Earth and all of this, right? Um, and so how, how close to where we are we end up? You know living our lives and so i could look at uh, in in my family uh, my mom and dad uh, were born and raised you know within one or two they you know ended up departing from this earth yeah. um, my first born brother um, you know he definitely Moved on from that, did not stay within those two states, but didn't very venture very far away. Went, you know, to the Midwest, went to the South, and um, he's living in the in the South now. That's where he'll he'll end up. <laughs> then there was me; I was next in line, and being that wild child, wild woman, <laughs> that I said I was. I, you know, went as far flung as Japan, and I actually lived, and I married a Japanese national and was married to him for probably about seven, eight years, and then after uh, that marriage fell apart, and I lived on my own for a while, uh, that marriage actually had taken me from, once we got back from Japan uh, to the East Coast, I then... Uh, with my husband, went over to the West Coast, California side, and that's where we parted company after those seven or eight years, and then another seven or eight years went by and met a new um, husband, and then he had lived here in Hawaii when he was, um, you know, finding his way in the world as a, as a young adult, and he always wanted and retire here. So once he retired and I was getting close to retirement, um, and I was having my, (laughs) my, my second career fallout (laughs) because of the thing. Um, and then we ended up coming over here. So, uh, it was a big, it, that, you know, that was part of another, you know, dark night of the soul and shift with my family was, you know, my coming over here and, Mm -hmm. uh, having far less access to you know the east coast contingent of the family Mm. so my younger sister kind of is a little bit a throwback in the sense of you know someone who was born and raised in one state um, now is living again in that state and probably intends to stay there for the rest of her life even though because of marriages and travels and all that she has Lived in many other places, even in Canada, um, but she always kept wanting to come back. Always wanting to come back. There was that, she, you know. Her archetype is probably more of a Hera archetype, like you know, uh, uh, archetype like that one of the home and the hearth, and mm. the, you know, she has that kind of a soul connection.
0: Mm. So,
1: so you know, part of it is cultural and historical but part of it is individual too what are how, what do we bring to the picture and the pie of you know what's available in the world mm. you know, you travel far and wide but are you the person who will then go live there and stay there or are you the person who then feels you need to come home and re-solidify your connection to your origins
0: hmm. and i wonder too you know with like the archetypes right that are present within us like what makes one stronger, right, like the Artemis archetype in you, and then like the Hera archetype in your sister, right,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: so Mm -hmm. um, do you have any ideas on that, or I've always wondered that?
1: Well, you know, I mean, you you think about things like genetics, and blood types, and birth orders, and, um, you know, the stars, and like just so many different, right, yeah, (laughs) yeah, uh, to me, everything is biopsychosocial spiritual. So biologically, what was our load? You know, psychologically, uh, what were we faced with socially? Uh, how did we navigate in the world? And then spiritually, did we feel like we had the book opened unto us or thrown against us at, at us? <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's true. And, uh, or did, Was there no book? <laughs> Right. I and mean, why are we writing our own book? <laughs>
0: yeah, there you go.
1: <laughs> so, um, yeah. so you know, oftentimes, say, biologically, you get you get one load that's against you and one load that's in your favor, right? You get all of these downloads and genetic predispositions uh, from your parents, some of which are like unfortunate and some of which are very fortunate. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, psychologically, you go through life and you you find your talents and your skills, and then you also bump into things and you find your failings and your uh, shortcomings and terrible things can happen to you and wonderful things can happen to you and all of that impacts you know, your responses and reactions and how you're going to deal with things. And then socially is a big freaking deal, right? You know, Mm -hmm. not just your home environment, your school environment, your work environment, your neighborhood environment, what's going on in the greater world around you? You know, are you growing up in COVID? Are you growing up in, you know, whatever, World War II, um, just what's going on? And, you know, is your country being bombed? Are you lucky enough to be born somewhere where you know it's relatively stable compared to that um you know poverty versus riches uh left versus right on the political scale like so many different um, attributes and influences right um and then you know we talked a little bit about the spiritual but you know or did you just automatically accept whatever you were raised with or did you you know have that wild child instinct to to rebel and seek your own way and
0: all of that kind
1: of thing right
0: yeah so basically there's a lot that goes into it not just one time time. time.
1: there's no easy answers there's lots of wonderful questions and that's what makes life worth living
0: definitely yes so I I want to give you time, of course, to talk about hypnosis because we haven't had anybody on. Oh, the show. That's, that's right. <laughs> I know. I'm. Yeah, I can definitely. Yeah, that's it. Happens a lot. I get off track and well, not off track. I feel like whatever we're meant to say, right, is what we're meant to mm-hmm. say. But um, I'd love to have you share a bit of your wisdom about hypnosis because yeah, we haven't had anybody on the show, and I know a lot of listeners are curious about it. So. How did you, I guess, get into that, bring that into your practice? Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. so again, you know, it started with that uh, midlife crisis and my putting myself in psychotherapy and finding because it happened to be a Jungian therapy and we ended up doing a lot of dream work and active imagination and I would just like sort of automatically fall into trance and he wasn't a hypnotist and like what the heck is going on here you know I got very interested and so uh, by the time I was going through school you know I was finding there in the MFT level of things there wasn't any training in hypnosis uh, or even much in dream work at all, for that matter. But by the time I got to go for my uh, my doctorate in psychology, oh boy, I was like a kid in a candy shop at Saybrook University. Saybrook University is, um, you know, a school that is very much grounded in humanistic and existential and Jungian and transpersonal and all of these, you know, thought forms that are are very well now steeped in science, but only because science is catching up with them and you can now map things out in your brain in ways that you couldn't before. Mm -hmm. Um, And so uh, I got to learn hypnosis at Saybrook University, and then eventually I got to teach it there too. Um, all the dissertations that I work on for for students are are all based in in hypnosis. And uh, yeah, I, I got my certification from the American Society of Clinical Hypnosis, and then I became a consultant for them. And so now I have some consultees who are either already certified or interested in getting certified in clinical hypnosis and um, it's just a a big part of my career that was the reason I got to go teach in China and uh, the reason I've gotten to do some really good amazing uh, articles with uh, Dr. Stanley Krippner who I don't know if you've ever heard of but that that
0: name is so familiar yeah
1: Get familiar. familiar. With it. Yeah. <laughs> get Yeah. <familiar. laughs> so I get I got to do uh he was on my dissertation committee. And then after yeah. graduating, I got to do a couple of articles with him. And as we speak, I have just been requested to do a, a monograph with him, a book. Wow. Um, it was also with him that I co facilitated that uh, that China uh work that we yeah. did. So, you know there are again one thing leads to another and there are certain things certain choices that you make in life that open up so many doors Mm -hmm. well oh sorry go ahead oh I was gonna say one thing I had um, learned and been taught in therapy is you know um, always choose the the door that opens up the most other you know doors to you I haven't always followed that advice but um yeah but when I have it's stood me very well
0: <laughs> I definitely feel that yes <laughs> I mean I definitely felt when I'm like why don't I try to go to the clothes door and no, <laughs> it's
1: not working
0: um I well yeah I was gonna say it almost feels like you were like kind of pulled towards like going to like hypnosis like you even mentioned like I was seeing this therapist and he wasn't necessarily like a hypnotist but like still I was in that trance mm-hmm. state right? So it almost feels like in a way, yeah, it was like something was like pulling you towards it in a way. I don't know if you
1: feel like that. Yeah, again, that natural inclination, right? You know, what you you have inside of you um, genetically, psychologically, in terms of your disposition, all of that sort of thing, Um, and then based on the social milieu that you're dropped into, where this I was very much into dream work, and uh, I shouldn't say guy, doctor, um, <laughs> but uh, very much into dream work and active imagination and all of those things that um, were dreamlike and trance-like, and and I ended up doing, my second book was uh, Dreams and Dreamlike Experiences, Their Role in, in uh, Spiritual Emergence Processes, mm. and so I was doing everything about you know dreamlike states and trance-like states, and Altered states of consciousness and all of that kind of thing. So, love it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: So, what, how do you feel like, first of all, hypnosis has helped you in your healing process or just getting to know yourself, maybe in a new and expansive way?
1: Yeah, I think it has been a big part of getting to know myself um, in terms of. What was it, you know, in me that would have me falling into trance when I wasn't being hypnotized and then, you know, maybe having trouble falling into trance when other people would try to hypnotize me, you know, if I was learning right in an academic situation or what have you? And what about me being able to hypnotize others and about me being able to do self-hypnosis as opposed to Mm -hmm. hetero-hypnosis? all of that kind of stuff, and what's it like uh, for other people experiencing hypnosis, able to go deep and who's able to get benefit, and all of those kinds of things. It's just, I find the whole thing extremely fascinating. And uh, recently, I had done uh, some presentations on hypnosis and psychedelics um, because, you know, psychedelics are a big deal now again. And, you know, what is the relationship between those and hypnosis and what are the commonalities and the differences and the indicators for using one over another or maybe both and all of that kind of stuff. So it just so much fascinating stuff to be explored out there, you know. Um, yeah,
0: I didn't even know you could do like self-hypnosis. I mean, it makes oh, sense yeah. when you say it, but I never really thought about that as like that. Oh, absolutely. Be-
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, those times when one falls into it kind of easily and doesn't even know they're doing self-hypnosis, and then other times when a person is trying like mad to hypnotize themselves for a particular purpose and, you know, can't quite manage to get where they want to be, all of that kind of stuff. It's just I find the whole thing uh, to be an endless source of curiosity and, um, you know, now with all of the technology to be able to show what's going on in the brain, it's, it's quite, quite amazing.
0: Yeah, that is really
1: cool. You know? I mean, one of the things that absolutely, you know, astounds me to this day, even as much study and experience as I've done is like, you know, people being able to stem their own bleeding, um, turn on and off certain, you know, neurons and, uh, you know, uh, genetic coding, and I mean, it's just crazy what can what can be done, right? Um, yeah. But you know, how much can you count on it with each and every person that you're going to encounter? What are the different levels of suggestibility, the different depths of of trance that a person can go into? I literally knew a professor who could have his head on one chair and his feet on another chair and nothing under his body, and he could be there flat as a board and reach that level of hypnosis, right? Wow. But he could, you know. Um, and, you know, people who actually go to the, the dentist or have uh, surgeries without uh, anesthesia and those kinds of things, and people who are able to keep burns. You know, from becoming as bad as they as they could be, right? Um, there were p- people who actually specialize in stuff like that. Wow. Um, it's just it's it's wild, outrageous, and outlandish the capacity of the human mind is. And you think of people like firewalkers and stuff, right? How do they do that? How do they get away with that? Why isn't their body burning, right? And a lot of it has to do with you know the, the eff- effects of themselves putting themselves in a trance and uh, interrupting certain bodily functions you know autonomic bodily functions that you think could not be disrupted you know or people who could you know sit in ice for hours on end or whatever <laughs> right? all of these things these are all different ways in which uh, we are using uh, certain substrates of our uh, consciousness to further certain goals or uh that we don't usually think of as being able to achieve or accomplish.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's so powerful. Like our minds are so powerful. It's
1: absolutely. You know, and it goes both ways, right? You could have people who physically are have the capacity in their eyeballs and their brains to be able to see and yet due to a trauma they can't see or they Mm -hmm. can't speak. Or you could have people who have you know these split off and dissociated uh, senses of self, where one one person within them can speak a certain language or be a certain gender, and another person within them, maybe the the host self or whatever, speaks a whole different language or has to wear glasses or can't wear glasses or whatever. Like it's amazing how how many uh, senses of self we can have, right? And you can tap into all of that through uh, hypnosis and trance. And also, through things like dream work, but you, you there those are the few accessible ways of doing these things. And psychology really misses out when it just sticks with, you know, simplistic um, techniques that okay maybe evidence you know based like cbt or whatever that's great you should be evidence based do the best you can with you know all of that but don't forget that you know even though we now have the brain markers for what's going on with hypnosis there's still so much of it that we don't know and still so much to be explored you know uh, stanley krippner himself one of his earliest experiments were these you know psi experiments right about like psychokinesis and being able to clairvoyant, uh, mm-hmm. be clairvoyant and mm-hmm. um, precognition and all that stuff one of the fascinating interesting things as a side note is that he was down in the basement lab of Maimonides hospital doing his psychic experiments when I was born in that very same hospital oh <laughs> and we yeah it's like a, a like a birth connection that I had to him that never came to fruition until I was in my 50s wow like, you know and now it's it's still a burgeoning connection you know there's still yeah. more we're, we're working on doing together
0: wow that is so crazy
1: life is wild
0: I know like I love when those synchronicities happen like that
1: mm-hmm. yeah and that was the one of the biggest things that I learned in in Jungian therapy too was all about synchronicities uh-huh. and situation and oh just it, it's such a, a fascinating world I can't even you know begin to describe how it turned my whole sense of myself and the world and potential and possibility you know to to go through that process
0: mm-hmm.
1: of, yeah. You know, healing from that dark night of the soul
0: (laughs) definitely yeah for me it just made me open up my eyes to like the magic of life you know because it was like Mm -hmm. seeing it one way but then opening it up to like a whole different thing right and I was like Mm -hmm. oh my gosh the world is so cool like when you're willing to Mm -hmm. see it in that way just like look at all of this magic and beauty going on and
1: yeah that's what I always feel
0: like I get from like synchronicities you know it's just Mm -hmm. It's trippy, but I'm always like, wow, this is so cool. Yes. It
1: makes
0: me feel connected in a way, you know, like I'm part of it all, you know, to, like, be,
1: a, to be in the flow and to have that feedback yeah. from the universe, you know, right? Yeah,
0: definitely. Yeah. So yeah. um, um, I did want to ask, um, and I know we're kind of coming up on time a little bit, but what is a normal like hypnosis session look like? Because I know okay. there's probably some people listening that are kind of like, oh, maybe I'm interested, but I'm not really sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, what what does, it, what does it look like?
1: So normally there's something called an induction, which is basically the first suggestion to, you know, relax and go within and all of that good stuff, right? And then there's the deepening, which gives you a chance to really steep yourself in your unconscious processes. And then there's, You know the kind of the primary suggestions for for whatever your goals were about what you wanted to do and um, perhaps some anchoring to make to help those you know really stick and uh, maybe some post hypnotic suggestion about how you're going to behave after you come out of the trance and all of those kinds of things and again this is all consensual all about you know what the person's goals are And, uh, and then there's the, the realerting, right, Um, getting the person to be functioning in their regular state of awareness, uh, but having kept the gains that they made while they were in this other uh, state of consciousness.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. That's the basic process, right, that's, you know, that's the skeleton. And then all the the meat that gets added on in there, right? All the processes, yeah, from different applications, yeah. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I know when I, I've been hypnotized, I think, two or three times. Mm
1: -hmm. Um,
0: And each time I just felt like I got so much wisdom. Mm -hmm. Um, And my therapist would always record it and then send it to me so that I could listen to it after.
1: Yes. And I was always...
0: Yeah and I was always surprised just like what came through because for me it was kind of like I felt like I was conscious in a way but at the same time there was like another part of me that was coming through Mm -hmm. that normally you know is a little bit blocked by my like ego self in a way so Mm -hmm. yeah it was just so interesting and I feel like I got, got so much wisdom about my life from it so
1: So are you one of those people who might forget some of the things that came up? Okay.
0: Yes, definitely. Yes. I thought I would remember, like, I remember some things and, you know, during it, I'm like, okay, yeah. And then no, well, when I would kind of come out of it, I was like, uh, what happened? So Uh yeah, yeah, I'm definitely one of those people.
1: So you're someone who can go really deep and, you know, uh, you could probably make very good use of suggestion. Okay yeah
0: he said I was she said she um had a great time with my session because uh, <laughs> she said I was really open and mm-hmm. I would just kind of let things come through, whereas some people were like fighting it a bit more.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: but I feel like that's just because I'm a bit more open to like I've been doing it a while and I'm more open to kind of some of the um trans like states and I'm like yep let it come through we'll see Mm -hmm. but yeah then I find I don't really remember some things Mm -hmm. until I listen back and I'm like what
1: Mm -hmm.
0: so yeah it's a it's a cool experience for sure
1: it really is it's 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 worth trying once especially with someone who is truly qualified yes and all of that kind of stuff and um you know, I I think too, there's so many different ways of doing hypnosis, right? Some people receive it passively. Some people um, talk during hypnosis. There's even automatic writing that can be done in hypnosis. Um, There's, you know, ideomotor signaling with the fingers. There's many different ways to communicate um, in hypnosis. And so, um, it's 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 just a huge, huge field with so much room to play and so much room to grow. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah, also important to be careful as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Definitely. So um, I know we're kind of coming up on time, um, mm-hmm. but if you would like to share how people can connect with you and find you and about your work and the services that you offer. Um, yeah.
1: yeah. So- so unfortunately, I have a long, complicated name, <laughs> Darlene Vigiano, V-I-G-G-I-A-N-O, <laughs> uh, and then you know you've got the the PhD and the MFT, and so you can find me on like, book and LinkedIn and all of those kinds of things. Uh, if you just Google my name, you know things come up about books I've written, papers I've written, um, presentations I've given, what have you, um, and so. Um, I have the email, D for Darlene, B for Barbara, Vigiano, my last name, at gmail.com. Um, my phone number is still a California number, 916-239-5248. Um, I think when I retire, I will get a, a, a Hawaii number, an 808 number. <laughs> but uh, for now, it helps my career if I stick with the California number. <laughs> but yeah um yeah so if somebody reaches out i will be sure to respond Um, i like to you know keep in touch with people and provide services that they need whether they're from me or whether i give resources to other um, things that are available in the community i like when people ask questions and you know even if i don't know the answer i'll research it for them and let them know (laughs) <laughs> what's coming from me and what's coming from yeah, from research?
0: Awesome. I mean, yeah, when I reached out to you, you were pretty open to me, right? And mm-hmm. giving me so many resources, and then willing to be on my show. So, mm-hmm. and I want to say too to everybody listening, um, a lot of her information will be in the show notes too. So, um, yeah. So if you miss some of the stuff, right, or you're trying to write it down really quick, just go to the show notes, and it will all be there. Um, mm-hmm. So before we depart, um, are there any words of wisdom that you would like to offer to our guests in whatever shape or shape, way or form is coming to you?
1: Yeah, I, I think probably you know if 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 a person senses themselves to be a wild woman, to go with that, to to embrace that and and share that with the world, steep themselves in it, don't be afraid of it. And always, you know, check in with others, how how they're feeling in relationship to that, and how it's affecting them, Hmm. what you want to to do to continue to grow into Mm -hmm. yourself along the way.
0: I love that. And I especially love that piece about checking in with others, because I think sometimes, that can be like the piece that's missing a little bit or mm-hmm. there can be a little bit of maybe fear around doing that. So I love that.
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Important piece. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Darlene, for being oh, on the oh. show and sharing all of your wisdom and your story with us. It was such a pleasure thank and thank you. Me. Yeah. Thanks <laughs> everybody for listening um, yeah. and feel free to rate the show, subscribe, send this episode to anybody that you feel like, Um, would enjoy it and get some wisdom out of it and most importantly stay wild